Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Do the Right Thing, directed by Spike Lee, Under the Skin by Jonathan Glazer, we have newly released Luck by Peggy Holmes, Beast by Balthazar Cormaker, and Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, directed by Tetsuro Kadama. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly, how's it going, buddy? Hey, Tom, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right for me. How was your week of movies, man? Uh, truly a random week of movies. I mean, yeah, we I are it. all over the map. I liked on this it. I liked one. it a lot. Good, good. I'm glad. Just I mean. plucking from old lists, plucking from. How do we? How do we come up with this? Under the Skin was definitely for watching something I enjoyed. Uh, Do okay. the right thing was a uh, you know a list from forever ago, uh, and then the new releases just were legitimately all over the map. But to you know get anime, to get horror, to get thriller, to get a kids movie. <laughs> It's we're all over. There's the something map. here for everybody, right? <laughs> right. It is the the buffet of uh, daily ratings. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get let's jump right into it. Uh, we're seven back into 1989. This movie is called Do the Right Thing. It's a Spike Lee film. Mm. And how early on was this in his career? Mm. And overall, how was it? Yeah, um, I I want to say this is probably third major release. Uh, Spike Lee definitely one of those directors that did a lot with the music industry for music videos. And and tying into that, do the right thing is uh, without a doubt uh, his his most famous. What skyrocketed him to fame? Uh, okay. What a lot considered to be his best film with that. So that obviously piqued my interest. This was on my list forever, you know, to tackle eventually because I have not seen this film uh, going into this. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, a lot of what this film is is largely considered is is honestly a masterpiece on how it handles racism of all types. It's not just you know. A racism against African Americans, a racism against one. It's 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 a it's kind of a study of almost city racism, uh, de facto racism, and, pre- of, and of, prejudice of of all kinds of of all kinds exactly right. uh, between each other. Uh, outsiders looking in, insiders looking out. You know, I mean, it's it's all over the map. Which is uh, again, uh, I was just curious to see. I mean, this is what eighty nine, right? Yeah, interesting to tackle in two thousand twenty two yeah. when it's so in our face. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I, I was I was definitely. I wanted to tackle something serious this week, uh, understanding it was going to be all over the map. I said, why not? You know? <laughs> so, no, I like it. I, yeah. I will say it's funny because this is 89. It's mm-hmm. like stepping, taking a step back in the past mm-hmm. to watch something that's very present. Absolutely. Absolutely. How was it? So, well, 
How did it go? Uh, it, it is a very, very good movie. I'm okay. happy right. to say that this film holds up not only for today, but also as a, a very unique film. Uh, I'll definitely go into kind of some of my notes later on uh, in, in discussing this might be a very amateurish film. This feels amateurish, but... Um, low budget kind of deal? Yeah, low budget, but also doesn't really play by you know formality or play by the rules okay. of a lot of films. Um, and I think that was refreshing for me. This was definitely a positive mark for it. So, uh, The story is structured around a single scorching hot summer day in New York and we follow a block of an ensemble of characters. I mean, this we've used that term ensemble of characters but this is truly an ensemble cast. Uh, no one character truly gets all of the spotlight. This uh, includes Spike Lee himself, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, way before Breaking Bad, uh, which I was just fascinated. He must have looked pretty damn young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a totally different character. Uh, just, just it definitely stood out to me because he's now become such a um, kind of not, not cult hit. I don't know. What would you? I don't know. I, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's not completely a household name. Mm-hmm. But when you see him, it's like, oh, this guy's in it. Yeah, exactly. Kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Gus from Breaking Bad. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we also have Sam Jackson, Rosie Perez, and and honestly, countless more. Uh, there is a just truly familiar faces kind oh, of yeah. constantly popping up. Absolutely. Uh, some early on in their career, uh, for instance, with Sam Jackson, I mean, this is uh, pre-Goodfellas even, you mm-hmm, know yeah, I mean? You yeah. know, this is uh, anything that we covered on probably earliest Sam Jackson for the podcast too, so yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the identity of this film is in how we see these characters. It's through the camera work specifically. Um, I would call this very bold camera work. There are a lot of angles, a lot of tilts to this almost my initial note on this to the point that it's a bit overused actually um but it's 100 its own style this is not a tilt of a camera in a dutch angle where maybe even on previous reviews i've criticized that a little bit for being lazy of communicating kind of an, an unease instead it's almost like spike lee and I, I honestly don't know who the cinematographer is on this, but it's almost like they're not happy with a landscape shot of individuals. And they can't do it necessarily a portrait, you know, in a, theor- a cinematic experience, you know, no less than 89, you know, we're kind of before that in kind of a modern landscape. It's, it's, it's almost as if they're tilting the camera to get more of the character on screen. Hmm. More of a full body shot of the character or more of a maybe even embellished or, or, or magnified version of their persona or even their their perspective on what's going on on the street, basically. Was it too busy? Was it too... Like I said, my initial note was like, whoa, this is overused, but I, it kind of is also the point and it's kind of 100% the style because... Okay. You know, the cinematography appears to have loose rules when this is being thrown in there at first, but it's about creating these character portraits, uh, kind of windows into their perspectives on the block, and I wound up going completely 180, you know, being annoyed at it at first and maybe having some serious critical notes towards it, thinking it was a uh, more of a uh, lazy choice, but it is the point in itself. Uh, it's, okay. It may be just a bit jarring because you're expecting that shot to be one of, of suspense, uh, something that you would see in horror, but again, I think... 
you know, a pure theory here. Uh, I, I think Spike Lee and and his cameraman definitely are using this more so just to get more of the character on screen. That's at least my kind of take on this it'll, artistically. It'll be interesting to. I don't think we've. I don't think we rated it on the podcast or in mm-hmm. the, for the years that we've been doing this. Sure. Did we cover Malcolm X also by Spike no, Lee? No, no. So maybe that's something that would be interesting to do somewhat in the near future. Mm-hmm. Spike used the same cinematographer. Oh, really? So I wonder if he, they utilize that same exact thing. Sure, sure. Just Yeah, but interesting. Yeah. I, I think the only thing, Spike Lee-wise, maybe it was Black Klansman that we... I, I don't know if we covered that on the podcast. I don't think so. No. Wait, but which one? Black Klansman is with Adam Driver uh, and uh, no. uh, which Denzel's other? son. What KKK-type movie did we do? I think, yeah, oh, 80s. you're thinking of uh, Juice and the Black Messiah. Uh, not, not KKK, but Radicals. Yes, okay, gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. But yeah, I, I, my point in saying all this is that I went from being very critical about it and then completely going 180. And that, again, once again, this plays into some of my notes that there are amateur elements to this film, but I think it really does have a good execution to it. The amateur elements are worth it uh, for it. One of my favorite of these characters in these character portraits has to be Sam Jackson as the radio DJ on the block. Uh, honestly, a perfect use of in-story characters being a reason we hear licensed music within the film. Uh, folks, I critique soundtrack a lot in my reviews, but understand it's simple to get praise from me. If it's a part of the story, that's all it works. You know, that that's what I need to make it work. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, and uh, just a very simple thing of of Sam being kind of a local DJ of, uh, you know, uh, a low-tier radio station on the block. Uh, he, he comments on it. We get kind of some narration through this. It's used within story and, and definitely gets a huge pass from me. Okay, so. cool. Yeah. Let's talk about that story. Uh, We really weave in and out of main characters. It creates pocket scenarios where they are given a spotlight to show their view on life. And and, and some of that is for comedy. Uh, Some of that is for setting building of New York at the time. Um, I think uh, a lot of these spotlights are just to kind of create a feel to the world. Mm-hmm. It maybe sounds odd, but I kind of almost took that at them as world building, uh, being a time capsule, watching this in modern day. Okay, sure. For 89. Yeah, that makes sense. But most successfully, and this is where all the praise goes towards this film, is that uh, these moments are the spotlights on the city's de facto racism. Uh, you know, on the surface, we see conflict between groups of all colors, uh, but in real life, it's it's much more complicated than one side versus another. This is haves versus haves nots, races, age, gender, generational gaps. You know, all- Any, anywhere that there is a difference. Mm-hmm. within human beings he tries to tackle exactly exactly is and it I nauseating think, no no is it like annoying in fact uh, that that's where i wanted to watch this in mon- modern day because i feel like something like this would be tackled in the modern film landscape but they would make it one note but in this kind of no one gets out with their skin alive you know no one gets out alive with their skin everyone's still on. a gray character yeah no everyone's go- gray yeah. everyone's got a little bit of a hot take on one or many of the groups on yeah. the block I found it to be, I say de facto racism in the sense of like, uh, you know, my kind of, you know, traditional historical understanding of like Five Points neighborhood in New York, you know, everyone hated each other because they were just kind of different and they were by their surroundings, you know, kind of were racist of each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. um, In just the same way, we have 89, one single block being a study of this and, you know, every front, everything, Mm. every, you know, everyone from African Americans to Italians to 
Koreans to the cops to old timers to new kids on the block. You know, I could see how that would be if you're hitting on everything. I could see how that could be okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where uh, again, I, I I was coming very positive with this. And if anything, I had my knives out because I was thinking, you know, is this just going to be something that a modern day Spike Lee film? Actually, when you really look at it, yeah, absolutely. If anything, how Black Klansman kind of ends with a little bit of a preachiness to it. Shy, well, all of Chirac. Sure, sure. That is not present in here. Everyone is under the magnifying glass, and everyone is great, like you said. I think that's you yeah. know hits the nail on the head. Everyone is a victim, and mm-hmm. everyone is victimizing at the exactly. same time. Exactly. I do like that. Yeah, uh, and it plays into the the messiness of the story. You know, on the on the surface, the city streets are, are pitting you know all different types of conflict, and if anything, once again to this. Uh, this amateurish feel of the film it's like wow it's just like it's almost like we're constantly fighting we're just spotlighting different fights but there's oh, yeah. there are moments of brevity there are moments again where there's this world building aspect there's certainly comedy in the film yeah do we have fun with sam a- jackson Yes, if he's yes. Like an MC, There's if many he's a, jokes okay, right, and, yeah. and many things meant to take lighthearted. If anything, some of the racism is meant to take lighthearted because of these, like the old timers, for instance, on mm-hmm. the block. You know, they're just speaking how they would always speak, but it's also a very realistic take for that reason. Right. You know, they're not necessarily well. No one's really censoring themselves, but it's very realistic how it's just coming off in conversation. You know, they're not at fault for that. If anything, the film is just saying, hey, this is that perspective. Let's jump around the block of these different perspectives, you know? Absolutely. I would say the ending, uh, you know, isn't too satisfying. You know, no one's really coming away as a victor here. You know, I wasn't certainly expecting a Hollywood bow on top. If anything, that would be totally out of place for such a realistic depiction uh, of of prejudice. uh, prejudice. Uh, But when it comes to not having a super formal structure, I think it does hurt the film a tiny bit for me. I'll end with talk about this, and and I've been flirting enough with the idea of amateurish, uh, you know, films. Uh, You know, that can be an insult or praise. That's so true. As an insult, you know, the final execution, it's lacking polish, it's lacking follow-through, it's lacking maybe even a little bit of vision. And as far as a positive, it could mean, you know, the production does not have constraints. It is boundless. It is, you know, able to achieve something unique by not knowing the rules, almost, uh, so to speak. A perfect example of this is we covered Kin and we covered Dead Man. I would say Kin is amateurish Hmm. because of trying to fit a, a unique story into something more cookie cutter or dead man it was a western but it didn't feel like a western at all and, right, and right. achieved something very unique in its amateurishness yeah. and bottom line i mean i think this film is on the positive side of amateurish clearly a very personal production for spike lee he's writing here as well and i would be lying if i said the film's message didn't ring all the more true today but if it gets a strong rating from me it is for how uniquely the story is told and there is substance in spike's un hampered style we will go ahead and give do the right thing a well-deserved 83 whoa my mm-hmm. god are you serious i'm telling uh, it was it was a good movie whoa i'm telling you and, and and very very unique uh there is not an imitator of this uh even among maybe Jeez. spike's peers yeah even maybe a good, 83 is a good score oh, i mean yeah. this is a very good score absolutely wow it beats absolutely. our predator by one point <laughs> wow 
very uh, very surreal to compare those two films. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you right now, I was not expecting that. I mean, it was not. Yeah. Like, it was nominated for two Oscars. Sure. I mean, like you said, it's probably what he's most known for. Mm-hmm. But geez, I mean, in '83, is that must have been very yeah. very good. And, and believe me, uh, folks at home, I'm not just plugging uh, you know plugging this in. I hear it's good, and therefore my review is good. Much like Brazil. No, we know uh, we, we you know, know well enough that yeah yeah yeah. yeah uh, much like Brazil, I was. I if anything, I wanted to watch it because the hype's so real. I wanted to say, all right, it can't be this good. You know what I mean? Wow. So, okay. It, it is, it is, it is very, very good and uh, a great movie and, and definitely in that make time to watch it at the 80s represent. Damn. Okay. Very surprised. I, you Sorry. can be very good at taking politics and leaving them at the door when you sit down and watch a movie. Yes. Uh, much more than me. I think much more than most, which is, which you can see, I think, in your review of the, um, Oh, oh, uh, don't look up. Yes. Yes. So you yes. know what I mean? You are you can walk in a room, put all your mm-hmm. put your political things and put them to the side and while just, watching it. Yeah, just consume. Do you think film. it's a case like this where I watch it I'll come off with something different, somebody politi- other politically motivated mm. will have the same way or do you think like no, this there's, you know, it was nominated for Oscar. There's a reason why mm. this is so well known for Spike Lee, I, you know? I think if anything it could almost offend all audiences because again, no one's really more on the moral high ground, you know what I mean? Someone okay. will make a vow point and then be damned in the next scene when we see it through a different perspective so um, hell maybe in like a don't look up you know <laughs> you know a lot of, a lot of modern audiences could hate this for how much they are in the line of fire among all the things they think you know they might be superior over. right right very interesting i'll be interested in watching it really mm-hmm. and comparing mm-hmm. with you yeah and then watch me just get angry. Just get angry. So. <laughs> <laughs> they donate and write in. It's like how bad of a score it was. Uh, no, but eighty three. Like pretend, I said, you pretend to gas. This does know? have yeah. It does have more praise than a Don't Look Up though as well. Oh, so. for sure. Yeah, I would say I'm contrarian with Don't Look Up. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna jump ahead here. That was uh, that was eighty nine with an eighty three on Do the Right Thing, which is which is a great surprise. Mm-hmm. We're in two thousand thirteen here. This is Scarlett Johansson. This is Under the Skin, directed by Jonathan Glazer. And what is this film? I think if people saw the cover, mm. they would know exactly what it is, or that know it's popped up here on Netflix or something like that. Oh, like sure. it's around streaming services, mm-hmm. or maybe that's just because I'm that person who has constantly seen this mm. and has yeah. not actually watched it. <laughs> right. So what is under the skin? What's You're... what story is being told here? Yeah. And yeah. how do we like it? Uh, well, I, I mean, uh, as far as a, a story being told, this is straight up sci-fi horror, and uh, you know, last week got me thinking. Gee, maybe there's something <laughs> to watching movies I like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I really love this film. This this film is a okay. uh, cathartic watch for me. Uh, one of my favorite A twenty four films. It may not be the highest ranked. I honestly don't know what that would be. Uh, A twenty four. Yeah, yeah. Mm, um, very good question, actually. And uh, maybe we can clock that back. But man, do I love this movie. Probably this is I, you know, four watches under my belt. This being the fifth watch, and it's just so dark and twisted and cool. I mean, it really hits a lot of notes for me. Fair warning, though, uh, and believe me, I will be the first to say that A24 tag means that this is a slow burn. Uh, my argument, though, this this film is not slow for slow sake, as sometimes it feels that way with A24 films. It's like, <laughs> I imagine they, they bring the first edit, and they're like, ah, let's, let's stretch this out a little bit. <laughs> uh, but I would argue this film has a follow-through. Slow burn, is, the difference between slow burn and slow is that slow burn has an objective, and a useful to the time you yes. know, there is a yes. 
almost a subjective worthiness to uh, where we end up in the story. And I think Under the Skin definitely lands with that. Okay. So. Now, it is only an hour and 48, but even with mm-hmm. that hour, you know, we're under two hours, but still. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but part of this is, I mean, it is a horror. So sure. we're, we're not trying to get a lot of action here. Um, this, this film hits on something important for me to call it great uh, and that you don't want to take your eyes off of it. You know, maybe that comes from my love of Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Everybody loves ScarJo, yeah, though. There's very yeah. few people I come across that, she's, that she's don't like great. her. She's great to look at. <laughs> she's got brunette hair in this. It's great. <laughs> but uh, really, it's because the film is is truly shocking in the best way. I'll go into some comparisons in a moment. But uh, like I said, this is sci-fi horror, and that horror is built from the disconnect of, of anything human. In ways, this reminds me of John Carpenter's The Thing, you know, where the audience has to almost fight back empathy because believe me the creature on screen does not share our human empathy Mm. Uh, Mm. and uh, the film very very well plays to that and almost preys on it as we're expecting maybe a glimmer of light uh, but time after time again there is there's nothing human about the horror here, and that is the terror of the horror. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and it's that's, the unknown, you know? Exactly. Uh, bingo. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, you know, where this kind of comes into uh, taking sci-fi horror and translating it to maybe, or, or transforming it maybe into a cosmic horror, that there is unknown aspects to it, and that's kind of the point of the genre. Yeah, and cosmic horror we brought up before, and that does... It strikes a chord with you in a certain way as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mainly because I think, you know, for me, uh, a scary movie is about the unknown, bottom line. That's almost like a fundamental to it. So that being the point of the story, you know, is going to hit well with me. Yeah, definitely. We talked about seeing life through an alien's eyes in The Man Who Fell to Earth review. Uh, This is how it is fully done. Uh, The sheer disconnect from anything human is how the horror and the terror is built in this film. This film also kind of captures a, a subtle joy of people watching. Hmm. Uh, that's where, if anything, a lot of the slowness comes from. There's just such a a third-person type of perspective to us watching things through Scarlett Johansson's eyes, us watching other potential targets through to Scarlett Johansson's eyes. Okay. And then even in the moments where we see her interacting with other characters on screen – it's always at arm's length. There's, there's never, we never get too close that we can't see what Scarlet is maybe doing to mimic, to maybe, you know, kind of copy and, and, and entice people in. And definitely it gives us a good distance to see our characters and how they are going down a slippery path and getting involved with Scarlett Johansson that is going to end uh, in a very bad way for them. <laughs> so uh, it is, uh, you know, I, I really think we experience in a great way what the creature is taking notice of and primarily that is being in Scarlett Johansson's skin you know you're gonna have guys noticing you you're going to have the eyes follow on you know someone so beautiful so that plays into this story as well and I'm just man I, I can't tell you that is so great to you know that that's inspired casting right there you know you're taking someone and using if anything, what the audience knows them, you know, what is almost yeah. self-evident to us, uh, and using them as using that as a factor in story crafting and storytelling of 
this 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 alien perspective. I mean, that's that's where that's it's cool. At. I, I think I, I love it. Yeah, I, it it really is completing the whole circle there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, believe me, I could definitely uh, go on and on about it. But you know, more than most, uh, as as it is with uh, a lot of horror, I don't want to spoil. Uh, yeah, you know, I feel too like much. I feel like we can't talk about this yeah. for too, too much. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, that's okay. Uh, that's a good thing. And 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 but that this is where it's at. You know, what I mean, uh, uh, this is. This is a, a movie for me worth going in maybe as blind as possible. And I've been obviously talking about a lot of aspects that hit mm-hmm. on what this is about. But sci-fi horror is what it's about. And, you know, I mean, that's that's what you're signing up for if you're going into this. Yeah, so, definitely. I would say the mystery uh, of what is going on uh, with Scarlett Johansson is is peeled back slowly with each victim. And, and believe me, this isn't the most complicated story, but there is a simplicity. We see little a, a little more bit by bit you know it's almost layered uh, in a way that the the situation builds we have kind of one situation completed a to z then we have a larger situation a to z again and then we have the final layer uh, of that and the film is almost broken up in thirds in that way that we're slowly peeling back what is actually going on with this and i i, I can't stress enough i mean it's a simple story, but this subtle engagement and the curiosity of what's going on, I mean, that is why this is, I would call this an engaging plot. This is why mm-hmm. I would say the slow mm-hmm. burn is worth it. Uh, because if you're going to be bored by this, that's what you're going to say is slow. If you're going to be engaged with it and it takes you on a ride and it takes you, you know, a moment to kind of unpack it after those credits roll, that's slow burn for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, because and, and basically I think engaging is the word. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. a slow burn because it's engaging. Yes. And there's something there to it still. Yep. And a payoff or whatever it'd be at the end. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all good to be along for the ride for this one. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last note as far as uh, some of what the film is without spoiling too much uh, practical effects I think this film is a great example of mm. what we always preach with practical sure, effects sure. Um, total brownie points and and I'll try my best maybe not to have it play into so much praise for the film but uh, there are really some callbacks to 2001 a space odyssey and how certain practical effects are done around the sci-fi elements okay, that's so cool. uh, you know we're talking about mixing paints with chemicals and smears and you know, reversing camera lenses, you know, I mean, it's, it's, that is, uh, you know, how it's done. And I, I think if there's an argument of why I even like how A24-ish this film is and why it's worth it versus maybe something much slower uh, in their catalog, um, there is a, there is an appreciation I have for, there's not a spot of CGI in this. It's all done through. I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's it's beautiful. great. Yeah. And it's, and it's <laughs> shocking for that reason. It's so right up our alley yeah. for that. Oh, yeah, for 2013 film, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, give it a watch, though. Uh, it is certainly an odd one, but it is a bold horror film. Uh, you may not get all the answers you want initially, but pay attention to the structure of this story and the terror that will envelop you. We will go ahead and give Under the Skin an 80 on the dot. Oh, I was thinking it sounds like it's going to be better than Do the Right Thing, but no, but no, no not no. quite, not quite. Yeah, and this was previously rated, and um, if anything, I looked at it and I was like... Oh, I don't remember this one. Damn, yeah, I mean, well, this was like probably, I don't know, how yeah. far back. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't well, see that. I studied but, that list. Oh, boy, yeah. oh boy, do I study that list. <laughs> <laughs> Night and day. <laughs> 
Um, but, 80, so, so it was 80 prior. Yes, uh, 80 prior and well-deserved 80 here. And um, and again, you know, I mean, this is this is a type of movie that I, I had in a slot of, wow, I want to watch something I know I like and, and talk about it. And yeah, it's, boy, nice. it's just... important to get this on, Yeah, especially because you're a lover of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. We know we do sci-fi here. It's cosmic and it's good. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to put audio to it, I think, yeah. and, and get yeah. this on the site. Yeah. And maybe a good pocket ex- example of why A24 films are worth it, you know, because not all of them are worth oh, it. Oh, we definitely have. <laughs> Yeah, there's a bunch of A24 that doesn't does not hit yeah, so well. Yeah, exactly. So I thought this was, um, in addition to me wanting to watch it, believe me, uh, this was uh, definitely definitely a good watch and, and and give it a watch if if you're into horror, you're into sci-fi. And I think even even more, I'm not that big into horror. I do mm-hmm. like sci-fi though for sure. But an eighty percent, I mean, uh, it is. I think yeah, for most mm-hmm. people, most audiences, give it give it a watch. Oh yeah, I think it definitely will. I think it's time to. I yeah. feel like it's been it's been shoved in my face anyway. Uh, yeah, you're so for right. Years. It really was Is streaming it fodder. No, it was it, streaming fodder okay. for like so many years. Yeah, just, and Netflix specifically, I think. It just the cover was always there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, so eighty percent for Under the Skin, folks. So that was only two previously released. Our next three we have um, either in movies or mm-hmm. ha- or just came out, kind of. So before we get to those films, folks, we're just going to go ahead in our donation segment, and we do have a producer for today, mm. which is awesome. Uh, we have a. Pr- a producer that we've had before reproducing which mm-hmm. is awesome a uh, the show yeah 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 definitely this is glenn r coming in again um and he wrote in a note vin he says i was happy enjoying episode 45 the predator series when a third of the way through my ears began to bleed <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> when vin gave predator 2 a score of 78 <laughs> Are you kidding me? A 78? Where that thing you do got a 52? Oh, that's right. I got to go back this to guy's the This guy's got a... He's, he's, he's not happy about the whole 52 <laughs> thing. You can't let this one go. Come on, Vinny. Yeah. Wondered if... Uh, I wonder if Hasbro or Mattel put you up to this to sell more action figures. <laughs> Vinny, it's, it's time to get out of the chopper and parachute back down to reality. <laughs> I would kindly suggest you give that thing you do another watch, and I'm sure this time you will be toe-tapping, finger-snapping, and singing along with the groovy tunes from the O'Neaters. Oh, I, uh, man. He goes, I mean the wonders. And for all of those two fans out there who know the movie, that was a very good joke. <laughs> I, I even get that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and he signed it T. Hanks. So, <laughs> like we feared, this was Tom Hanks listening this, to our podcast. Yo, Tom, Tom, <laughs> Tom Hanks is a, is a uh, lifelong listener now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but Glenn, we thank you for the donation. Uh, $10 you gave by the way. Oh, wonderful. Uh, wonderful. Once again, you continue to produce the Daily Ratings. You're an executive producer of episode 46 here, and we appreciate it so much. Great note. Yeah. Um, I always get to get note. some laughs here a little bit and everything like that. <laughs> Absolutely. And people, if you're wondering what the hell this is, it's the uh, producer segment. This is one I want to thank, thank all of you producers who are helping us keep this show going. So we are completely producer-supported, meaning basically... You know, we're going out the value for value model. Are you getting value uh, from the podcast, from the website? Are you listening to it? Are you getting into movies more? Uh, if so, could you go to the dailyratings.com, go to the donations tab? And if you can, just send some money our way and it's whatever value that you want. You know, it could be we have set amounts that are fun. Glenn just felt like giving 10 bucks to us today. So yeah, that was his value. And, and I want to review. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate it. That's why we call it the value for value model. We don't. We want to stay away from corporate advertising and everything like that. So to keep this going, obviously, it's a good time. We're having a fun doing it. Mm. But uh, to really keep it going and, and grow like we want. We need help from you all, from you producers who are continuing to produce and those thinking about producing and going to produce. We thank you so much. We're excited that this is starting to take off a little bit. We hope to have more and more producers uh, with every episode here. Mm -hmm. And again, if you can't produce, hey, tell somebody, get us in the conversation. That's where we want to be. We thank you so much for listening, producing, 
And that's kind of how we operate here again. It's the dailyratings.com. Go to the donations tab, and we thank you all so much. But okay, Vince, so with that, we're going to go ahead, and we have three more films here when we're doing our in-theaters now, or, or mm-hmm. at least released, and that's how we're going to start. This is an Apple release. This is Luck, and uh, directed by Peggy Holmes. And is this Apple's first big push into the anime sphere, kind of trying to... Uh, well, not anime, but animation. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, definitely, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is this is uh, Sundance uh, Animation Studios. They're only five years old. Um, this is their very first this is film. Who? Sundance Animation? No, I'm, or Sky dance my my mistake oh, sky dance sky, really yes yeah i mean this is a a big push for this new animation studio we'll get into a little bit of the industry talk because it, it is it is pretty fascinating yeah, at least from my perspective sky dance has, has been around yes yeah. yeah yeah now did apple buy them or they just paired up for this i don't know i think they're just probably just paired up for this okay. uh release um apple is definitely in the business of cutting deals for trying to get some exclusivity uh, and content on them and uh boy I, I was not too excited to be back in the depths of Apple TV. I mean, <laughs> I really do. Uh, you know, I, I do least not favorite? like that. Yeah, it is definitely least favorite app. I think it is. It is is closely followed by Hulu, but not a you know not my favorite. And app at least here. Hulu gave us prey last week. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Apple, that's true. Apple, what Apple TV gave us the likes of uh, the awesome movie Finch. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Which no, yeah. Yeah, no. Or even just like streaming. What I, I won't get into it. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> I'll get into a rant. This is a a children's movie. It might be the um, the most uh, G rated type of children's movie right. we've covered we're, on the pro- yeah, podcast. Yeah, we're not so in PG. It says G. Yeah, straight yeah. up G. Yeah. Um, in this children's movie, we follow Sam, uh, a orphan uh, now entering adult adulthood um, with horrifically bad luck, but countered by her kind of hopeless optimism this is a the tone of this film is very very optimistic uh and i'll I'll note a little bit later in the review almost to the point that there's uh, a lack of conflict even um you know it is it is feel good 100 there's not really even anything against sam besides this you know this bad luck uh good luck side of it um she uh, crosses paths with a black cat uh named bob (laughs) <laughs> uh, could have come up with a better name, but I don't know, Bob the Cat. Yeah, Bob right. the Cat. Um, but instead of bad luck, finds that the cat is actually part of a secret magical organization uh, that controls all of the good luck in the world. It's it's uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I yeah. Like that. Uh, it, it opens up quite a bit. Reminded me of maybe kind of a story format of like a Men in Black or something like that, that we have one expectation and then it, the doors get blown open on that. Uh, and I was going to ask if it was any um, comparisons to Boss Baby? Um, Cute character being maybe, something into yeah. something else? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it's more than just Men yeah, in Black. Kind of, maybe know? not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, but in that format of just that the story itself is about the bewilderment or the wonder of this new world gotcha. and discovery of okay, that. Okay, gotcha. You know? I have to say, I mean, the voice acting talent here, I think, was pretty great. Um, Simon Pegg, uh, definitely a favorite of mine. Whoopi Goldberg, Jane Fonda. Uh, it is a mm, solid yeah. cast. Yeah, and, definitely. you know, even how much I loved the film, uh, a, a total opposite of something we covered like Sea Beast, where I thought the voice matching was actually off. It was so. the only thing you didn't like about it, really. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, definitely positive marks here for the voice acting talent. Uh, I maybe have two minds. It, you know, does that make a difference, practically speaking, for a G-rated film for an audience that is uh, potentially a baby? You know, what I mean? right? But right. <laughs> I think my note here is that um, there is good character 
matching to, or, or rather, the voices match the characters. You know, what I mean, they're just because it's a blockbuster or or, um, hmm. or a high paid actor in this doesn't mean it's always going to land. And I think Sea Beast was an example of that a few weeks ago. Yeah, so I watched some of Sea Beast, not sure. the whole thing, but I okay. wanted to check it out a little bit. And I would agree. What I don't agree with you on is choice of actors used. Yes, I actually don't have an issue so oh, much with okay. the voices there. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe because Carl Urban's the main guy. I very yes. much like Carl Urban. <laughs> It's your boy. Okay, I don't, I don't want to say it. Uh, <laughs> One of many. But uh, but I complete what did throw me off, and I didn't mm. like was the the voices and words matching mm. up with mouth movement. Yes, that bo- now that bothers me, mm-hmm. and that is a mark on the movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to actors playing the characters, I think it's very sub- sure. You have things like Toy Story where everyone loves it pretty much. Mm-hmm. No one's really saying, you know, <laughs> yeah. Tim Allen has buzz. What you know, no yeah, one's really yeah. has an issue with that. I think with a lot of other movies and kind of second rate kind of animation sure. films like this, a little sure. less lesser known. Maybe uh, double A and yeah, it, it comes down to the person watching. I want to say, for instance, CBs. I, I didn't mind mm-hmm. about it too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the 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 lips the lips sinking though, which is an odd was, thing for animation to have a problem with it is yes and it's odd to be taken out of an animation movie just like look at that i'm assuming not a problem here though no no and if anything again uh for maybe the adults in the room watching this with your children um you know you can appreciate the you know star-studded cast again i mean like whoopi goldberg jane fonda you know these are big names you know it's it's gonna fly for a kid's perspective because we don't have this lack of matching to it you know again maybe that's too much of a deep dive uh but uh definitely a positive note for luck specifically okay cool uh but like i said most of the story we follow sam discovering all the secrets of luck world and bad luck world um like i said the structure here reminded me of a men in black reminded me of a story that is just about the 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 new reality this character walks into and that's all it really needs to work i will say this is without a doubt the most g-rated movie we've covered on the podcast so far i mean without a doubt um, not only is it very safe in tone, but has very little conflict uh, at all in this film. Uh, our characters are just kind of sidetracked. Uh, you know, there's nothing really against them in the entire film. Uh, they're just sidetracked to maybe see more of the world. Um, if that's the whole runtime, I don't say that's bad. But again, you know, I mean, this <laughs> that's where the G rating is coming from. You know what I mean? Uh, I would say this is probably a age 10 and under movie, which was, you know, who am I watching this movie? Right. But, right. <laughs> you know, these new releases. You probably weren't expecting quite that either. Yeah, yeah. I expected maybe slight bad guy or something like that. A little bit more Pixar-ish, like which yeah. Pixar is usually good up until, mm. you know, maybe that's... that's 16 and under or something sure, like that exactly. as far as a prime audience yeah. even though everyone can love it absolutely uh, sadly the animation I would say looks like I'm gonna be honest I mean maybe it looks like Coco Melon or something like that you look at you look at the type of content being in put, uh, put in front of uh, children you know within the last I would say five to seven years and it has all become not cookie cutter, but uh, of its own style. It, it is a, a very smooth look. Eyes are big, but they're not like anime per se. They're like of their own style, and and you know, I I, I don't I, say I consider Coco it Mel- cutesy. Sure. When I look at this animation, I look at like the eyes and the face mm-hmm. and everything like that. This is cutesy animation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't compare to Coco Melon without justification. I mean, they really are dominant uh, in the market. I yeah. Mean, you know, they're they're going to be new Sesame Street. Basically, it, it, it is so. crisp. It, it is crisp, and it is. I don't 
don't know. Was the movie vibrant at all? Certainly vibrant. Okay. Um, and 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 definitely eye grabbing and and far as far as color design, I would just say okay. it was cookie cutter as far as characters though, and and even when the more fantasy elements of the screen uh, or, or of the of the film are, are introduced on screen. Again, I mean, I don't know. This is obviously nowhere near my demographic, but uh, I, I feel, again, I could not escape looking at this and saying, wow, almost strategically, I wonder if this studio was trying to make a a Cocomelon type of style to mm. get those kids interested. Okay. You know what I mean? They, sure. they see this, they have no idea a different studio, you know, they have no idea anything about it. Yeah. So they just see it, it looks similar, they consume it, you know, it's there. Or, or the parents put it on, you know, in the background. And, yeah. You know, it shuts the kid up. <laughs> so uh, why don't we talk about that uh, a little bit as far as industry? Uh, like I said, Skydance Animation is very young, only five years old, and this is their first production. Uh, a lot of talent behind this team, including including Disney Pixar veteran uh, John Lasseter. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. That's a major score to get him. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, there's a, a little bit of um, a little bit of drama around him being canceled around 2018 and then landing here. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm pro Lasseter. Yeah, you're pro Lasseter. Okay. Because I think what it came down to is he just he was like uh, he's he was a hugger. Oh, so really? So when you go into the office, he's just like, he's happy and excited oh, to see him. He's I a see, hugger. I, see. I thought that's what all he got hit with yeah. during the Me Too stuff. I, I honestly have no idea. My, and we, we should also say that he was like basically one of the guys started Pixar. Oh, He yes. wasn't just like in Pixar yeah. and was big. He was yeah, the saying, guy, correct? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, top uh, top three. I mean, John yeah, Lasseter st- is all over anime as well because um, uh, Disney's licensing of a lot of Studio Ghibli, uh, Lasseter actually introduces in the beginning of the film <laughs> and, and kind of saying like how wonderful this movie is so Lasseter is is much more than just like a business professional or a creative type he's he's definitely it's everything he's, he's, he's i yeah i would kind of icon i mean i'm certain certainly his we think about what his, pixar did it was him steve jobs and just one other creative guy an animator who really yeah, started pixar yeah uh it's it's it, i i don't know i mean i think it's a, it's a note for me because to have someone of La- Lasseter's stature land in this new studio i mean again uh, his naysayer or those that are, are, are canceling him certainly don't want to see him land anywhere. For me, watching this children's movie, this actually evolved into a fun research project into all that is going on with this brand new studio. Right. So, and again, we, it was very G-rated, so I was just looking for anything to, <laughs> looking for anything to, <laughs> to keep, keep it interesting. To keep it and we should say Skydance has been around but no, this is the subject of Sky Dance animation. animation. Yes, bingo. Yes. Yeah, bingo. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they've been only, you know, five years old. And, and honestly, maybe I wouldn't make note of that in any other, you know, subsidiary of a film studio Studio if it wasn't animation. You know what I mean? This, we're talking about animation. It's, it's kind of a whole different beast when it comes to the actual production of things here. And so. I think that's why they subset it, or that's why it's its own thing. You, exactly. You make it animation. I think Universal has Universal animation. Mm-hmm. But de- wait, maybe... I don't know, I get confused with it, but it really is... Or maybe a good example, Sony Animation. Uh, Sony Pictures, yeah. as far as their movies, kind of kind of bad universally. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're looking at Uncharted or something like that, you know? Right. Uh, Sony Animations, they're doing things like Spider-Verse and, you know, very, very, very cool things like that. Oh, uh, so. we've actually really been liking yep. Sony lately. Exactly. But you're right, because animation... And we have talked about it before, it's so great that everyone is getting into the game. Yes. Because it's competition and it's more content. Yeah. Not that, you know, there is something... 
we grew up in the age of once a year we got a new Pixar film. Yep. We were in the prime of that, which was awesome mm-hmm. to have. And it was a big movie and it was huge. It mm-hmm. was much more cultural. But now to have so many, it's so many different animation styles, yeah. so many different stories being told all at once mm-hmm. for everybody. It's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that we have Skydance animation, that's awesome. Just add it to the bin. Especially uh, if it's come, if, if you have a guy like Lasseter behind it, sure. that's serious punch. Sure, sure. You know, our director comes from Disney Talent as well. Uh, I, I think this studio could be beyond some of this surface level drama and that's really you know not not to not to belittle the the cancellation of Lassiter uh, I think it's surface level in the fact that he is clearly working and continuing to work with other people so you know he's gonna have a career still yeah um, I think uh, the best thing is to look at the quality of productions and what is coming out of this studio you know judge it by the merits and, and again I think maybe having talent around this again I I, I was maybe going to knock this film for looking so generic but I think there maybe is a strategy to these again not to over compare but these Coco Melon kind of visuals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the artistic style of this film you know maybe that's a strategic choice to once again uh, create some recognition among the G G level demographics that you are are going to be you know marketing to yeah. that's going to be actually watching this film yeah ab- definitely so by no means a bad film though uh, and, and if anything might catch the eye of a child at home for the visual similarity in maybe browsing some of the uh, thumbnails of Apple TV. <laughs> Not that there's many, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of a graveyard already. Uh, but from <laughs> for the ratings, uh, I can't put this much more higher than middle of the road. Uh, I would say understand this is a feel-good G-rated film that aims to only please. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. I was not finding a electricity to maybe recommend it higher than middle of the road. We're going to go ahead and give Luck a 55. 55, yeah, very middle of the road. Very, you know, you gave it a few points above because it does, it's not an average movie. It's definitely it's, not it's an slight, average movie. It's, it's, it's a tick above, you know. And if only for the voice acting talent uh, being, you know, top level, uh, I think there's an, that might be the sole enjoyment for a adult in the room. Right. You know? Sure. So, because I was enjoying that, certainly. Okay. All right. So that was Luck with a 55%. Uh, now we're going to move on to a film that's just came out in theaters. This is Idris Ilba uh, in Beast. And and what is... <laughs> He's laughing. I, mean, I am laughing. <laughs> uh, you know, I love Idris Ilba. Oh, yes, yes. No, I, no, I don't know about that. I don't know about this movie. What do we get with Beast? Uh, 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 what generic we... title. Yeah, yes, generic uh, looking, generic title. Yeah, this is no one even knows about it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I, what was the marketing budget? I wonder. I don't I mean, know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what do we get with Beast? Yeah, grateful for a new release to put on the podcast. <laughs> That's what we get. Uh, Beast is Cujo with a lion. That is it, folks. Um, and and in ways, I, I think. Hmm. A lot of the talk around this film is kind of uh, meant to be almost like a TV release or something like that, or something that you will catch on TV. And and uh, unfortunately, I mean, I really do agree with that almost wholeheartedly. The feel of the setting in this film is Savannah Survival. We are uh, with Idris Elba as a single dad uh, that is a doctor and has two moody girls. Um, In addition to... 
the lion uh, being a force of nature, being the conflict in this. Um, the characters make plenty of stupid decisions <laughs> in, in kind of a horror thriller sense. It makes a attempt at an interweaving family drama within this lion attack. It's an attempt in the script to make the lion deadlier than it is. Um, some of that lethality is really where I'm going to be taking my knives out on this film because... You know, it, it goes from this line being fully lethal as a line would be, and then we flip it on and off when we need to you ah, know, for okay. main characters, basically. You so. know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Last week we covered Prey. Yep. And I was thinking the entire time of a movie that came out um, years ago, kind of when we were a little bit younger, also named Prey. Oh really? Yeah, and it was about like Jessica Alba and their child stuck in a van with the nasty with the lion oh. outside. <laughs> the same exact premise as Beast. <laughs> next week, you know, um, they read your mind. Was it was it able to do anything with this genericness? Was it able to do anything interesting? Something that was like, okay, this is at least I'm enjoying this element. Um, I would say it's it's pretty well shot. Uh, oh, pretty looking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, um, the film really tries to make these fake one takes or these oneers. There's clearly a digital blend in the edit to stitch these sequences together. Um, But it was a highlight for me. If anything, kind of, you know... It made me think much more positively about the film that when I just kind of sat down and I wrote the review, I was like, wait a second, I don't like this film. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but the, the cinematography, and obviously that's important, you know, that's how we're really consuming things. And I, I do want to give credit to trying a lot of, you know, one-shot takes, uh, smart uh, digital blends to the edits. You know, I, I, re- I did enjoy that aspect to it. So, okay, cool. Uh, first 20 minutes is a very condensed, and I mean condensed, folks, uh, uh, of a family drama around Idris and the kids. The older teen daughter hates the dad because she's a teen daughter. Uh, And overall, it felt very blah as far as the writing here. Um, Maybe not manipulative writing like I have called out recently on some reviews, uh, but certainly not enough runtime to be fleshed out in any sort of significant way. You know, like I said in the intro, the family drama is used to create conflict within the survival stakes. Um, You know, but more often it comes off ridiculous to be hashing out family issues during a lion attack. It's like, I don't trust you, Dad. You lied to us. You know when you lied to us? And there's a lion beating on the window. You know what I mean? It's like, what the... Yeah, what okay. going on here? I feel like I've already been saying in 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 within this episode, but not to overcompare, uh, you know, when you, we look at Cujo, which we covered on the podcast yep. um, through the Stephen King kind of study, Cujo front-loaded all the family drama, so... You know, it could focus on the line itself. Uh, to a certain extent, I do think this is a little bit of a better screenplay than Cujo, or at least that original one. I don't know if there was really, a yeah, a because better screenplay. It, it's it's at least it's weaving the drama in and out, and I think there's a better craft to that. You know, what I mean, it's right. it's easier to front load all that you know family drama, and then we're just focusing on the on the event itself. Sure, but having the family drama, like you said, like the mm-hmm. girls. Being upset with their father about something mm-hmm. with the line right outside. A- exactly, that, it, it it invites it's... new problems. <laughs> to okay, it, you know. But you would still pick this screenplay. Uh, I don't know. I I think there's um, 
it, it's definitely I, I would say much more of a of a modern type of script, a modern type of plot to okay. weave these things within the single point of action. So there's pro yeah uh, pros and cons to it basically. Yeah, yeah. And where, uh, but, where it was good, it was good. Exactly. But where it was bad, it was bad. Uh, it has new problems that the original, as far as the format that it's trying to rip off, it just simply does not have. Yeah, I, I mean, it is just. There is just such a silliness to, you know, uh, you lied to us at such and such age, Dad. And then, you know, it's three feet of a lion, you know, goring someone. So it is also rated R. I don't know. I expected almost it to be PG-13 uh, in the sense that it's so kind of kid-focused. Right. Um, yeah, sure. You know, dumb kid character writing is on full display here. The younger daughter wasn't too bad, but the older one is is really put into such frustrating situations and scenarios by the plot. You know, uh, frustrating is really the word here because I'm not really blaming even her performance as a as a as a young adult actor. I'm blaming like why the character is put into these type of scenarios because I think mm. it's it, anyone is going to have kind of a bullshit meter with this. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just frustrating is the word. Let's talk about the lion. It is a full CGI lion. They are all full CGI lions. And, of course... <laughs> Uh, you know, of, of course, I understand the, this idea is only possible with CGI. You know, this is not like a Siegfried and Roy uh, type of scenario or something. I don't know how you train lions to to attack people on, you know, stunt lions. I don't know. Maybe there's a business out there for stunt lions. But <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a better movie out there. That's, Maybe we'll do it. Based, based on a true story. There's a famous, like, lion oh, really? thing in Africa. Yeah, it was, oh. it, it was attacking an actual camp of men that oh, were really? of workers. Yeah. Okay. And they got the taste of humans, so they had started oh, to hunt humans. Oh, okay. The whole thing. Okay, but uh, maybe maybe uh, that'll be on. Next well, maybe that's watch. how you do it. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, you cut away from the camera and you leave something to the imagination, you know. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it just plain does not look good. Uh, if anything, it's a little bit south of the already spotty CGI that we covered in the animals of prey. But now it is the whole focus. You know, a big problem with this CGI is. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it it is the you know the hot African savanna. You know, I mean, it is it is bright. Yeah. It is uh, one color. There's, there's there's very little shadow work, and there's almost a simple principle in in CGI that the darker it's going to be, the more that's going to lend uh, favorably to the visuals. So that is not here because of the setting, and I'm not blaming the setting. Certainly, it's it's novel to an extent. Certainly, it's amped up from you know a Cujo. You know, guess what? We're now in the middle of nowhere and whatnot. So. It's just, it's just hard. Again, this film kind of makes problems for itself. Um, uh, more than anything, my biggest issue is the lethality. The injuries are a big problem with this film. Uh, a line wound will kill a side character in a single swipe. When it's our main characters, maybe not. Maybe it's a surface-level scratch. Right, you right. Know? Uh, I was actually going to give a lot of praise once again to Idris being a doctor in this uh, and it's it's interesting seeing his character try to track down medical supplies and try to fix other people you know there's a lot there um, that they try to work with but sadly uh, the story just flips it on and off the lethality that is flips it on and off when it needs to and for the most important moments of of tension and and the make it or break itness of the plot 
uh, it, the lethality is definitely off. Idris recognizes it in the character. You know, he gets kind of slashed up at one point and, you know, his daughter points it out and he goes, oh, that's nothing. Where a similar wound, he's racing to, to you know, uh, <laughs> wrap a, you know, wrap gauze around it and clean it and disinfect it. And right, right. I liked that they were true to the character. It's a doctor character, so he's going to be operating like a doctor, but it's like, well, you're not playing by your own rules, doc. Like, it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, it's, it's, it's really not all bad. Like I said, some technical side of the cinematography I appreciated here, but sadly, everything else is very forgettable about this film. Uh, it is almost a perfect film for TV fodder, fodder that you'll, you'll catch a bit and say, hey, this is like Cujo with a lion. And promptly forget about every other aspect besides that very simple elevator pitch. We're going to go ahead and give Beast a 47. Mm, 47. Yeah, I think it makes complete sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, and again, I'm almost, I'm almost upset that it is such a mixed bag because there are certainly things to praise here. But I think paradoxically, paradoxically the praise I would even give it invites two problems it's like one one good thing two bad things come along with it you know yeah no that okay that makes sense yeah yeah and it makes sense that that's why it's doing what it is at the box office oh yeah (laughs) i mean top gun maverick is is more than half Still swinging. Evergreen until 2024. I was just in the, yeah, Beast had 11.6 million and Top Gun's still pulling down, you know, yeah, at six yeah. itself. Yeah, so. I know. But anyway, okay, so that's Beast with uh, with 47%. I do have to take back my my Jessica Alba prey note. Oh, It oh. was not Jessica Alba. It was some oh. nobody actress. <laughs> okay. Same exact premise, though. Same, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but okay, so we're going to move on to what we think, we were kind of talking before the show, which mm. one do we first do, do? Do we do Beast? Do we do Dragon Ball? Yes. You know, because it's like, they both kind of came out, what's bigger, what's being promoted more. We don't know, but this one is doing better. Yeah, you'd think it would be Beast, uh, but yeah. Dragon Ball's Just sweeping it. it. Yes, so this is Dragon Ball Super, Superhero. You have a bad title. They should have just done Dragon Ball Super it is hero. clunky. Well, the original title was uh, Doragon Boro Super Superhero. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> was that good? Bilingual, Bi- Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Pronouncing all these uh, all these names yes. in the intro. You're getting good. <laughs> but no, so this is, once again, another story in the Dragon Ball universe. So if you could, for us, maybe go through... How is this all connected between the, sure, the show, sure, the multiple series, and now like multiple movies going yeah, on? Absolutely. Just if you go through that briefly, kind of. Yeah. So there are four main eras of Dragon Ball: Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, technically Dragon Ball GT, which is kind of you know rubber stamped. Those no are all shows, correct? Yes, all okay. shows and Dragon Ball Super. Now, to each of these eras, there are movies attached to those eras, and the good thing is that we only really need to worry about one other movie with Dragon Ball Super which was Dragon Ball Super Broly. Right. Um, this was actually something that we covered in a proto-episode of the podcast that... We have to find him. I'm sure it's around. Probably won't see the light of day. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was like early test runs, folks, uh, of the podcast. So, But the biggest thing to note is we're going to be getting these Dragon Ball Super yes. other name, and this yes. just happens to be Dragon Ball Super Superhero. And bingo, bingo. Now, through all of these 
you said four iterations, correct? Mm-hmm. So with all these four iterations, it seems like we're dealing with the same characters, right? We have oh, yeah. we have Piccolo and 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 Goku and, and, Vegeta, and Vegeta. Yeah, absolutely, Go, uh, Goku's sons. Absolutely. What would you say was the biggest that took off in the states? That was the second iteration. Was that yeah. Dragon Ball Z? Dragon Ball Z. Z. Absolutely. And Dragon Ball was early nineties or late eighties. Uh, so uh, it took off in the states in the you know uh, early to mid two thousands through Cartoon Network and. Tsunami early 2000s like that. for sure yeah i was saying like original 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 run we're talking uh dragon ball one was or dragon ball was uh mid 80s to late 80s and then dragon in ball japan. z yes in japan yeah, yeah, original yeah. run basically yeah. we'll talk about it uh and dragon ball z is uh now in you know uh, early 90s to i think 97 it technically okay ran, and so, in the states so. i think it was big late 90s early 2000s exactly then, and then there was gc it, right, right. kind of bred new life into it altogether. Okay. So, uh, and, and I will, I'll say, folks, you know, normally we wouldn't cover an anime series follow-up film for the podcast, you know, in addition to not wanting the homework of potentially hundreds of episodes, which I do not have the time for. so true, yeah. uh, Or the interest for. Uh, I feel most of the time these series feature films are often just kind of fan service, final send-offs for the show. Uh, A good example of this is the Demon Slayer movie, a very new anime, came into the States, and we didn't cover it because... It was just kind of for the final send off of that show. So okay, uh, this movie is really no expe- uh, you know exception to that. But nearly the whole runtime is to creating a fun or badass setups for characters, and I would say Dragon Ball is a little bit of a different beast. Um, it is one of the biggest animes of all time, and maybe yeah. that shows in the box office that it's beating. You know, I mean, Beast hey, maybe yeah. is a great Not competition. By much. <laughs> okay, it's only made twenty million, but and then again, yeah. it did make twenty million. Yeah, you know? yeah, and a wide release. Uh, yes. This had multiple theater showings, uh, dedicated theaters towards the Japanese uh, and then the English dub of cool. it. Very cool. Um, so you know, again, I I I want to kind of give props to that because the scale of itself and. Certainly, what I'll talk about in a moment, my theater experience was next level. Like it was, it was for this. It, oh yeah, oh it was man. a wonderful theater experience. Yeah, honestly. how did it smell? <laughs> Don't be mean. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, you want to get into it right away with the, with uh, well, the no, theater experience? No, no, we'll, we'll we'll put that off for a second. Okay, let me, let right. me talk a little bit more about the movie <laughs> before we talk about things around the movie. You know? <laughs> honestly, uh, I would say, folks at home. If you find that you have not watched Dragon Ball since you were a kid, uh, maybe you know you watched Dragon Ball Z back in the day and you haven't kept up with it, this film is very strategically uh, geared towards in that way because it is kind of a callback to older storylines in multiple ways, okay. to that original Dragon Ball run with the villains being around the Red Ribbon Army. Uh, which is basically like an evil, evil corporation that makes androids, and Dragon Ball Z around the characters, specifically to a saga called Cell Saga. Uh, instead of us normally focusing on our our you know the two main characters of Goku and Vegeta, uh, I mean if you know anything about Dragon Ball, it's it's Goku. Instead, they are on a little bit of a you know a side plot. Uh, we check in with them basically once in the film, and they're dealing with the aftermath of what the previous film was with Super, uh, Dragon Ball uh, Broly or Dragon Ball Super Broly. Mm-hmm. What comes into play here is we get kind of the B team stepping up, which I found refreshing. You know, we focus on 
on Piccolo and Gohan. Gohan is Goku's son, and Piccolo is a is a mentor character in in Gohan's life. You consider them B team? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I it's Pic- Piccolo was always like the Mace Windu of <laughs> a Dragon bold Ball. Comparison. Oh, I no. like. I, I he's maybe back off. He's trying. I, I like it. I was a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. <laughs> <laughs> I have not watched anything in probably 15 years, yeah, so yeah. I do want to make that It's definitely become strictly Goku Vegeta show. Uh, oh, is that so, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, Piccolo is definitely there. You see what I'm saying? With Dragon Ball Z days. Yes, and that's why I think he, this is a... He was shy of having a purple lightsaber, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? I think that's. I think that comparison. I like it. I'm. I'm. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not a you know a huge Dragon Ball fan, but you know, I mean, hey, I, I will roll with it. I like it. Mace Windu. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. But for these the, this newer iteration of films in Dragon Ball Super, yes. they are B team. We don't see them much. Maybe, yeah. Maybe well, pe- they're in the background. You know, the fights are always the you know the boys exactly. And if anything, Dragon Ball Super is about pushing the power levels of the fights higher and higher, and that's only going to be achievable by our, our main duo, basically. Okay. Uh, certainly, that was the focus for Dragon Ball Z Super Broly. Uh, and I think, more than anything, my point in bringing this B team up, that they're tackling maybe a little bit lesser stakes of a story. Uh-huh. It's not the end of the universe. I think it's strategically... The film is positioned with not only a wide release, it's positioned with, you know, having both English and Japanese dubs in theaters. It's also focusing on characters that are maybe more nostalgic for those DBZ fans that haven't touched base with the series sometimes. And they say, oh, wow, this isn't theater. Maybe let me check this out. Honestly... They're going to feel right at home I think this. if I sat down in the theater, it would be nostalgic. The feelings of nostalgia would yeah. be crazy. Correct me if I'm wrong, the same voice act- actors, too. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I did see this in English dub just because I am so nostalgic of that. Right, right. So, did they, okay, Dragon Ball so, is one of those where the English dub is almost equivalent to the Japanese. Yes. Um, and was it the same US dub from back in the day? Uh, yes, yes. You, you're going to get the same voice actors for, or, or at least a very, very That's a big similar. Deal. That's yeah. a big deal. Absolutely. But you kind of get my point in saying that, I mean, the story may not be on the same level as Broly, and you can say, well, why am I wasting my time? And the same way it's strategic. I think the film's production is very strategic for the what their demographic of who may stumble into a theater in one of these and feel all right with the company. Just hearing this, I mean, this is the first Dragon Ball content that literally has probably come out in... 15 years that I'm actually my ears are perked up oh really okay I think that's phenomenal well because I was I was a Dragon Ball Z Mm -hmm. kid Mm -hmm. kind of and I really did get into it Mm -hmm. the fact that this is I think I'm the person that this would be targeted for saying whoa whoa, no this is callback this is nostalgia this is good yep absolutely like we kind of already really focused on a a brief catch up really the the silver lining here is that uh, whether you watch uh, a DB Super or 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 any of Dragon Ball Z uh, or any of Dragon Ball I should say uh, there is you know a lot of catch up work in this film uh, to catch us up on you know those have not that have not seen the previous film, those that are wondering, hey, where are our main characters of Goku and Vegeta? Uh, and I would say, again, I think it really is a brilliant move to attach this to nostalgia of other other iterations of Dragon Ball uh, for those that may come into this. And and guess what? If you're not and you're completely you know lost without a paddle, there is a lot of recap work to get us up to speed quickly. 
normally I would knock recap work, but when is it more appropriate with a film with with a series that's mm. been running since you know early eighties? Absolutely, you know? so, it's you know, so true. Maybe there's some practicality to that. Uh, so um, uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of give and take for it because again, was I loving the recap work? No. Do I think it's a stellar writing? No. But you know, maybe it's useful. You know, okay. and, and I think that's that's important to note. So uh, the biggest factor here is that the new animation of this is CGI. It's 3D models uh, with the CGI over it. And yeah, Tom's, Tom's giving me a look. I mean, we already covered bad CGI, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but in the previous film, this was actually used stylistically. And uh, in that proto episode, I was really raving about the fact that we were normally animated uh, for all of the film. And then when the power levels get to a certain point, stylistically, they use 3D to create a higher phonetic energy to the fighting. Mm. Uh, that is not here, however. And and the 3D, you are going to see it first. Uh, I'm going to be real. Uh, you are going to have a physical reaction <laughs> to this CG <laughs> because really? it is, they, they've almost they're making you dive in the deep end. Uh, if anything, the CG gets less intense as the film goes on. Even what? yeah, I know. Uh, even with the more you know the the backloaded fights to this film, but. They really want to sell that this this 3D cell shaded anime CG is is you know that that's that's the way this is going. It's the entire film, action sequences or not. I I think mm, it, it's kind of something that you have to see for yourself. Again, that first 20 minutes, it's just so in your face. Camera movements are so blown out of proportion that. It's almost impossible not to have an opinion on it, I feel. Okay. Uh, but uh, I will say, uh, much like it paid off in the previous film for the higher higher energy, um, more phonetic uh, fight sequences, guess what? It's in every fight sequence now. So it's not necessarily bad. It just loses some of those points for style that they specifically held off for that final power level of the last film, okay. you know, which I really enjoyed. I thought that was a cool use of art style and storytelling. You know what I mean? Oh, I was I think absolutely. Yeah. But it's, uh, I, I will say it's worth your time by the end. Really, more than anything, there is a huge, huge amount of hype uh, by these last 40 minutes. The theater was there to respond for it. I will say the second half, while it may be great and exactly what I wanted, that first half is very messy. Despite more budget-friendly animation, there's just a lot of talking. It's just a lot. And maybe that ties mm. into a lot of the recap work as well. So, okay, it's a lot of dialogue. Yeah, it's just a lot of dialogue. And, and granted, anime is absolutely known for that. Talking heads to save on budget. Right. Um, but, uh, man, uh, this uh, it just made me wonder that if they're going with this CGI... It's going to be better, you know, for how they're producing this film, how they're making this film, as far as the studio. Why are we still getting, you know, why, why is this not packed to the brim with fights? I wanted right, it to right. be 90% fights where that first solid hour, you we maybe get one and a half fights, and then last 40 minutes, it is a barrage of fights. Okay. So, granted, it's worth when we get there. Yeah, but... and for me, I would probably like it a little bit more, the exposition, the catching me up a little sure, bit, sure. but I can understand how, especially if it's an hour long and you're only dealing with an hour and 40, mm -hmm. you know, it, it is something we're just like, all right, let's get to it. Exactly, and, and maybe it's, it's where returning to the series so late, that's where I was maybe a little bit annoyed with some of the storytelling, for instance, how the draft 
Dragon Balls are used in this B plot or, okay. or in this kind of B team story, it has to be inconsequential. Otherwise, it would have more kind of impact to the overall story. Yeah, it's just it's just a little idiotic as all. Well, so. <laughs> but you know, I I don't know. I think that's maybe a comment for what is your personal tolerance with anime, um, and if that last forty minutes is really going to be worth it for you. I will say though, uh, let me end with talking about this theater experience. It was a packed theater. Energy was in the air. No smells. Tom. Sure. <laughs> I'm surprised you said that. See you again. I mean, you know, I, I think it's cool that everyone you know dropped their Yu Gi Oh plans to come see. <laughs> to come see this movie and fill the theater these are dated now you're showing your millennial (laughs) i don't care is my millennial showing yeah uh but it was uh something that was really electric in the theater and when the lights go off what comes on the screen but dc league of super pets it was a total theater mix-up we watched a good 15 minutes of dc league of super pets which we didn't cover on the podcast so i I was i was scrambling to make notes i was like oh boy just real time who directs this who writes (laughs) oh you didn't tell me this oh no no but it was it was honestly great it created such camaraderie in the theater people were cracking jokes we were like i'm really trying to pay attention to this oh it was great it created such a 10 out of 10 theater experience for when the film finally came on I mean there was they must it must have been like oh yeah it was really great Uh, I would say one of the definitely top three theater experiences of the year and I'm not one to put credit in that you know, that's, no, I'm trying to think what the other ones would be. Yeah, I don't know either, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like one of the better ones out of the More so, past yeah. few years. Yes, yeah. exactly. I mean, there was there's, there was just so much, you know, even, even in those meh moments uh, of that first hour, it helped me see that the kids were leaning forward. In right, the theater. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the adults <laughs> were, were cheering at, you know, fan servicey moments and, and, you know, callbacks to, you know, all of the series. Uh, you know, a, much how this maybe helped me navigate a children's film or something like, uh, you know, Crawdads Sing or something like that, where mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily the demographic. I was kind of 50 50 in this one. Uh, but boy, I-, I think it illustrated watch this one with friends if you are going to watch it. You or know in I mean? theaters, because I'm sure you're going to get those for one or two more weekends. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So uh, there was a, there was a lot of hype to it. And why I described maybe that last 40 minutes of hype, I mean, there was rooting for it. Yeah. And, and, and there it was, was electric in the theater. That's what yeah. that's a true cinema theater experience. Exactly. Um, so often, you know, there's... A guy snoring next to you, in case of my point, watching Top Gun. Oh, that's right. Oh, no. No, no. no. Oh, The Matrix was was a guy snoring so loud. (laughs) I mean, so loud. It was like true tense moments of dialogue. And and in between breaks, just the most... One guy in the back goes, "Wake him up!" No, he did not. Oh, it was it was oh hilarious. My God. No, in Maverick, somebody was like just leaking out of his sinuses next to me, and it was gross <laughs> and loud. Then he took a phone call halfway through the theater. No way. Anyway, oh, you're gonna get those. But as I hope we all yeah. get back to the cinema, we all understand that there's a purpose to keep things offline. Mm-hmm. This was one of those reasons. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so unique for you know an anime wide release. You know, there was such camaraderie among the 
theater uh, for all ages. Yeah, uh, it really very was. very cool. And and you know, hey, maybe <laughs> maybe it needed that mess up in the beginning to kind of get us all on the same page. Absolutely, icebreaker. Yeah, exactly. It really was an icebreaker. Yeah. But this definitely was once again one for the fans. Maybe lends to more of a not a boys watch, but watch with fans. So maybe if you are needing some gaps filled, guess what? They're there. You have kind of a subject matter expert with you. When the hype comes, when the moments uh, on screen uh, really bring a lot of energy, you're able to feel that energy around you. Uh, And I think uh, that's why even positionally we put this after Beast because, yeah, it's beaten it slightly in the box office, but I think... Uh, Dragon Ball Super really pulled out something interesting here as far as a wide release. Uh, like I've said in the past with these with these theater notes, it's not really necessarily affecting my rating too much. It is something that I'm noting. If you are interested in this, watch it in theaters, give it some love, and, and bring some friends along with it. We're going to go ahead and give Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, a 63 Okay, 63. 63% good score, and and I don't know, I'm kind of interested in seeing this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you enjoyed the theater experience. I'm glad there was something there that this this franchise is still, there is some sort of life to this. We're not in the 30s or 40s. This isn't, mm. this isn't drudge or anything sure, like that. Sure. This is, there's something here, at least, to be added. Yeah, and that, that's that's very, very cool. But okay, Vin, looking at these scores, is there anything you'd like to add or roll credits here? No, no, I think we, we've, we've given enough uh, as far as that theater experience, so let's go ahead and roll it. All right, folks, well, at home here well Vin thanks for stopping by thanks for watching the movies and folks at home we're going to run it down one more time here we have do the right thing with an 83% under the skin with an 80 luck with a 55 beast with a 47 and dragon ball super superhero with a 63% folks we thank you so much for listening and we thank you for producing as well and we'll see you next time on the daily ratings podcast If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film was worth a watch or just like to see more movie ratings for Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.